Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 106 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. So today's episode doesn't really need much of an introduction. It is a live stream recording that Gwen and I just finished uh, yesterday afternoon. Today's topic is support. And who do I feel better around? So who makes me feel like I get more energy when I'm with them? And who do I feel like can maybe even suck the energy out of me? So we talk about really how to get support from our family and loved ones and turning to really unexpected people to get that support. Gwen and I really would like to continue using this format. And really, I think for all of our future podcast episodes together, we are going to do them as a live stream first and then publish them within a day or two on the uh, actual podcast. So the next one of these we're going to do right before the holidays. So this is going to be done on Tuesday, November 16th, and it will be at 8 p.m. Eastern time, just so we can get it a little bit later in some of those other time zones. So feel free to watch us live on the Always Andy's Mom YouTube channel, the Always Andy's Mom Facebook page, and we're also going to put it on the Your Grief Guide uh, Facebook page. So that's grief-guide is the name of Gwen's Facebook page. So it will be able to be seen on all three of those platforms. And we are really excited to be able to talk about getting ready for the holidays and just how we can kind of get through that. We did another episode on this way in the past, but that was two years ago. So really, it needs to be revisited again. Plus, to be able to have some ability to answer questions will be great. And then one more announcement I want to make today is that I was recently interviewed on a podcast and it was just released yesterday. The organization is called Spiritual Care Consultants and it really focuses on balancing your mind, body, and spirit. The podcast itself is called The Healing Begins Podcast. So you can find me on episode number 55. I also do another one later on. I don't know if that'll be released next week or at a little bit later time, but be sure to listen to that Healing Begins podcast if you want to just to hear a little more about me. Gwen and I are here live. So this is uh, the Always Andy's Mom podcast. And we are here today to talk to all of you a little uh, so we can get a little more instantaneous feedback. So we'll see if people kind of get on and start watching and um, have something to add. And then this, of course, will be just aired as a normal podcast tomorrow, Thursday uh, at our regular time. So people can to certainly feel like they can aren't going to be behind if they didn't watch it live with us. Oh, that's good. 
So thank you so much, Gwen, for agreeing to come on again. You know, I just love talking to you and about different topics. And it was so excited to hear your idea for a topic today to talk about support. And who do we feel good around that? Who makes us feel better? I just love mm-hmm. the way you put that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was something, Marcy, that we had written down a long time ago. So I keep a file of ideas for the mm-hmm. podcast. And it was an old one. And that was the words I wrote down. Who do I feel better around with mm-hmm. the question mark? So I just Obviously, it was a conversation we had. I know, definitely so. And what's really funny is now I'm trying to look this up because I had someone send me an article just recently. I'll see if I can find it. And again, it talked about there are five different types of people in your life as a grieving person. And you wanted to be category four or five. Those are the people that you want to be around. So I'm, I'm going to find that. I was, I meant to have oh. that ready and I forgot just to be able to bring that up too at some point in yeah. time, because I thought it was a really amazing thing. Well, that, that is part of, you know, I don't know what the five are for you, but, you know, definitely to talk about what type of people, what you're expecting from people, and maybe they're not the people that can give that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you want me to dive right in, but I mean, yeah, to, expect, go ahead. to expect your doer to be your listener or expect your listener to be your doer is, you know, not a good idea. So we kind of categorize people to say, this is a person I can go to to help me with the housework or, you know, with meals or whatever it is. Um, but then other people are the people that we can go to for listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, oftentimes then we have maybe someone who's our spiritual care person or, you know, we go to with those kinds of questions. And so we kind of do categorize people, but as bereaved people, we don't want to get confused and have expectations of someone when we're not putting them in the right category. Mm -hmm. Well, you're right. And there are some people that are able to help us and able to give so much to us and we can just draw support from them. And then, others that just don't have that to give. And mm-hmm. yeah, and so I certainly we feel disappointed in some people and, you know, pleasantly surprised by others, but right. Yeah. Correct. You know, most of the time I find that we are mostly disappointed in our close circle mm-hmm. and we are pleasant surprised by our greater circle of someone who steps in in a way that we never dreamt possible or what I find oftentimes is our greatest support becomes people that we never knew yeah right? so yeah you know and it's those people walking the road with you um, or have are ahead of you so maybe you met them in a support group or on a um, you know a Facebook page or something because I remember a man saying to me, um, I have to, can you come over today? I want to talk to you about support group. And I said, sure. He had been going quite a while after his wife died. And when I got there, he said, I, I have to ask questions. Is this weird? I said, what's that? And he said, I feel closer to that group than I do my own children. Mm-hmm. And he just needed to know that that was, he really thought something was wrong with him. And really he shared with them at a level that he didn't share with his daughters and they were there for him in a way his daughters weren't because of their stage of life and where they were geographically. Well, and, and the fact that they're grieving too, that right. same person, it's, it can mm-hmm. be sometimes hard within right. a family to, to mm-hmm. be the one, right. To be the right. one. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So we do, you know, and that pain of having people let us down and support is, is tough. And that's why, you know, um, I do a weekly um, video vlog or whatever it is, just a few minutes of, I call it weekly wisdom. And last week I said, you know, we have to be brave to tell someone else who we really are. But sometimes when we do that, we do get disappointed in their reaction yeah. and their lack of support. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, sadly enough, it comes back to the bereaved person having to teach someone, this is what I need from you, or this is what hurts, or this is, you know, how many times, Marcy, did you say to someone, I'm not asking you to fix this. I just need to say what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And then sometimes, yeah, I... I, I just think of my own family and, and some people that did want to try to fix it. And it ended up just kind of being a turnoff. And like, I just, I didn't even want to talk to them anymore because it felt like it was too much to say, don't to say that. I mean, you have right. to be brave to say mm -hmm. that, especially to, to a parent or a really mm -hmm. close relative, like, don't try to fix me. Just be okay being here with me in mm -hmm. the sadness. Um, it's hard. Yeah, very yeah. much so. Very much so. Mm -hmm. Did you actually have questions today or do you want us just to keep talking? Are we wait and see I if we have just, questions? Yeah, we'll just wait and see if we have questions. We have a few people watching. So certainly if they, if you all who are watching have some questions, um, feel free to pop in with them. Uh, but otherwise, I think we'll just kind of go ahead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the thoughts that I had um, recently been training people how to be there for bereaved people is the thought and this, this stuff that I'm going to share right now comes from Zig Ziglar. I mean, he was an influential leader and um, inspired people to be better. Um, one of the things that he said is that reactions are usually negative. And what happens when we display our grief to someone who doesn't hasn't walked that road, they react. And oftentimes their reactions, now this part's Gwen, the Zig Ziglar part was the reaction <laughs> part. Um, but oftentimes their reaction is two things. It is fear, complete fear of what if I say the wrong thing? What if I do something, you know, and then um, a sense of almost just um, inadequacy. Like I'm not the person. I, I was recently in a small group of women and a woman that we did not know came and she was, um, her husband had died and she was crying. And the woman between me and the griever was immobilized in fear. I mean, her eyes, she couldn't even really? look at the bereaved person. I watched her just, and there's a part of, thank God the experts here, right? In this circle with right, us. Right. So there's part of that dumping it on me, um, but totally immobilized in fear and feeling like I don't know what to say. So they feel fearful and inadequate, not prepared. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when people turn away from us and don't respond in a supportive way, it is truly their gut reaction that says, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And you see that a lot and it, it does feel hurtful when your close friends mm -hmm. do that, but so often they just really aren't equipped and just don't have the tools mm -hmm. and don't know what to do. And yeah. so they just kind of hit this panic. And so, well, and yeah. how many times have you um, 
had to go to a funeral or had that conversation with yourself of, I know I should go, but I don't want to. Why we don't want to is because it's putting us right in an uncomfortable spot, like right there that we are going to be face to face with somebody else's pain. And I've never met anyone who doesn't have that little bit of, I'd really rather not go here today or do this, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's just that natural reaction. Mm -hmm. But back to Zig Ziglar, what he says is that reactions are usually negative, but responses are usually positive. So there's a subtle difference, he said, but an important shift in going from when someone is hurting, I've got to overcome my reaction of fear mm -hmm. and inadequacy or whatever it is um, and respond. But he said the difference is, is that in responding, you're prepared in advance to how you're going to respond. Mm -hmm. And then this takes me to my argument of why bereaved people, A, can't find support, is we have not prepared in advance how to respond. Of course not. <laughs> no. But I thought about it today in the shower and as I was getting ready, like, I remember I had to go back to 11th grade year site class. And I remember them teaching us about marriage and communication and money and family vacations and just things that, you know, where you put your time. I, mean, I remember learning a lot of different things because obviously at that point, I probably had an interest in all this helping people stuff. Mm -hmm. I thought they never taught us how to deal with distress, pain, difficulties in life. We were not yeah. prepared. And, and I don't think it's gotten better. No, no. no. <laughs> I mean, not at mm. all. No. And that's why that's one of my big things is how do I go out forward in front and train teachers and care or churches and care ministry teams and people um, to say, you're going to need this because when it happens, we don't want to respond or react. Yeah. We want to have a response. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And feel ready. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So again, you know, if we as the bereaved person can look at the person approaching us and realize that, you know, when they turn away, that's just their gut reaction. But have you ever had anyone, Marcy, after they reacted poorly to you, come back and say, wow, I'm sorry I didn't engage more or talk to you about it? Yeah. And, and I've, I just very recently got, had someone apologize uh, just for, kind of pushing a little bit too hard in some ways too, mm -hmm. because people don't know what to do. So, so I'm in a Bible study now and right now because of weird things with me having a carpool and things like that, I was doing it remotely and, and uh, it came up just, there was a question and it, it, I brought up the fact that, um, that a certain, the, the Bible reading had reminded me that God is always with me. Mm -hmm. And I said, even sometimes when I feel alone and I feel like God's abandoned me, because I think as a, as a bereaved person, especially someone who's lost their kids, you can feel abandoned and alone. Mm -hmm. And I said, it was just a good reminder to know that God's with me. And, and I started to cry and everyone in my little virtual group started to sort of panic 
And then the leaders like, and then we get to the very end and they were, people were putting in prayer requests and she's like, we should put in a prayer request for Marcy, you know, basically cause I'm not doing well. Right. Because right. like I'm three years out and I still was crying over my son. So that means I must be kind of mm -hmm. screwed up and need to go on a prayer list. And it really just threw me for a loop because that didn't seem that crazy of a response to me that I got teary because I mean, mm -hmm. I still miss Andy and it was a powerful moment for me. And it doesn't mean that I actually needed to be on the extra prayer list. I mean, it was fine. I mean, how, what do you say then? No. Right. So I was like, yeah. okay. But mm -hmm. she did then apologize later. And I said, well, it did, it did feel a little awkward. And it, and so much of it is that everyone got panicked. Right. And, mm -hmm. and I really didn't need them to get panicked at mm -hmm. all. I, it was me just saying I, um, a beautiful thing about not feeling alone. Right. right? Yeah. But it's the, hard because people don't, eh, people just mm -hmm. don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Right. And then that's where we learned this mechanism of then I have to stuff my emotions because if they're out there, then people right. don't respond or react in a way. Or they get and, panicked and now mm -hmm. want to put you on a special prayer list because right. you're definitely messed up yeah. compared to everyone else. Like, Right. Exactly. And so I know sometimes we do have to hide a feeling to protect ourselves from someone who isn't a good support or isn't. But what we don't want is for that to become our coping mechanism that we're always stuffing it mm -hmm. um, in fear of other people's reactions. Or the reality is, is that people have reacted poorly. And so it's the value what we want to teach our listeners today is finding the place where you don't have to stuff that, where your coping mechanism is not, I have to be fine, but I can let this out. Right. Or if mm -hmm. I would say something like that, if the response back had been, wow, that's beautiful that you can think of it that way, because that's really right. what I meant right. by it. But yeah. it just, there was just such this overwhelming kind of panic in yeah. the group that somebody's starting to cry. Mm -hmm. And yeah. just not being okay with showing some, a little bit of emotion. Right. Yes. Oh, I, I see that all too much and just not being comfortable in that space to say, that's a beautiful thing, even though it's hard. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that and just yeah. letting yeah. it be. Without... Letting it be and letting mm -hmm. it be and not mm -hmm. coming back around to it later. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And putting you on a special list. That's a, um, yeah, I know. And, and then I got the email example. that I'm on the top of the prayer list now. I'm like, oh, shoot. I don't really want to be on the top <laughs> of the prayer list. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who's going to turn around special prayer or extra prayers? But it's like, put me on just for added peace and comfort or bravery or something, but not for what it feels like yeah, you're right. on there right. for, right? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, well, yeah, it, it's just, and then when I said about picking people that you have to be around, you know, from taking my um, guided tours, one of the things I talk about is there are just some people who aren't good to be around when you're grieving. Yeah. Like they're not good. And that's kind of what that question was. Who do I feel good around? If someone is sucking the life out of you, mm -hmm. you got to stay away because you really don't have a lot um, to yeah. give. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I actually wrote up in the little description of this is that same thing on someone that's sucking life out of you. It's something yeah. that makes you yeah. feel more filled up uh-huh. and someone who makes you feel more drained at right. the end. Yeah. And what we know, the basics of communication is someone who enhances you and makes you feel full is um, someone who allows you to be, I mean, they say statements like, I just said, thank you for sharing that. That was really, I could see that was hard for you, but very beautiful. Um, Mm -hmm. Or it comes from a hard place, but, you know, thank you for sharing that. Or um, even though I haven't walked that road, just you introducing me a little bit to your pain today, I consider a privilege. And, you know, people who enhance us make us feel better because they don't shame us. People who um, withdraw from us and take away are the ones who say, well, you know, well, first of all, you should be on a special list, but, um, <laughs> but you know, like, well, why do you feel that way? Or, um, you know what your problem is, or why don't yeah. you just, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. What's mm-hmm. interesting is sometimes people actually go to a counselor, a, someone they pay and they get back. Well, you know what you should just do is, you know, you yeah. should just get a dog. So then you're not so lonely or, you know, I have heard some not great things coming from therapists mm-hmm. and yeah. all this time doing talking to different moms. And I will, I'll have to, I, and I call them out on it. <laughs> Usually mm-hmm. telling the, telling the person like, that was not a good thing that your therapist said. Absolutely right. not. And we need yes. to just throw that one out the window. And there mm-hmm. may be 15 other great things your therapist said, and we can hang on to those. But if they went way off base, they just yeah. did, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, yeah, recently someone talking great. about, you know, oh, God needed your son in heaven. And you kind of think one of those types of things, mm-hmm. like so much good's going to come of it more from him being gone than like, oh, please just whoop, pretend like that didn't even come out of her mouth. I know it came from yeah. a nice place in her heart, but mm-hmm. it's just not mm-hmm. helpful. Right. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes what that is, is that's a solution based response that, that, you know, I'm, I'm giving you a solution here that maybe, wow, better things are going to come with him being gone than alive. There is no solution to this. This is not a solution based kind of thing. It is a sit in the pain with me kind of place. Mm -hmm. And that's why we were talking, we've been talking about how, we hope to be able to kind of help spread this message to healthcare providers right. in the near future. Mm-hmm. So Gwen and I are working on a little little project mm-hmm. for that. Just again, because when you're in the healthcare field, you do feel this need like you're supposed to try to fix them and try to mm-hmm. fix things and make mm-hmm. things better. And just having that acceptance that in grief, it's, it's not about making things better. It's about sitting with them as they work through it on their own. Mm-hmm. Because certainly things won't be this bad forever. And I know that over time, the pain slowly does get better. And I felt that over the last three years myself. But it's not because someone else made it happen or because right. of something right. someone else told me. It's me getting there. And it's right. me navigating all the different emotions and all the different feelings and the ones, the people that try to solve the problem for me are not the people I want to be around Mm -hmm. because they are trying to push you to go way too fast. Right. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in a direction that isn't always healthy and it's not. Yeah. Um, And what I love about what you said is it's the work of grief that you've done, that it requires, you know, that you sit in it and be with it and emote and have that. Um, That's the way to healing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But what I fear for is people who really feel they have no one. And I've met them in my career um, that they really don't have any support. Sometimes it's a family structure. You know, there are just some families who use humor, use, um, they're always, you know, it's about a party. It's, and, and I'm not against alcohol or partying or anything, but it's like, you know, when I go with my family, they don't want the fun not to be there, right? And so that feels unsupportive to someone who's hurting. Like in order to be in my family, I have to be in this mode. Um, some families it's, we don't let anything bad in, you know, we don't bring. Yeah. And so they really feel alone. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. We had a little bit of technical difficulty there for a second. I lost you and I think my internet went out. So I apologize for that. It was just a little bit, but I think we're okay. But I think we're okay now. I do want to bring in a question that someone has written in. Okay. Um, so uh, the I'll just read the whole little thing. Mm-hmm. I often find myself not reaching out to my closest friends or sharing my grief with them, closest family, excuse me, or sharing my grief with them because often I feel like they can't relate or at the end of the day, they just don't understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, I often are, oh, I'm afraid they're going to say something, they're going to say the wrong thing. At the same time, I don't want them to think that everything's okay because I don't talk about them. Do you Mm -hmm. have suggestions of how I can share my grief with those close family members without putting the burden on myself or causing extra pain? It's a great question. Yeah, it is. And the, the hard part of the answer is without putting the burden on yourself, because really it's hard because it does require us to do a little bit of that work in, you know, um, teaching, teaching. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Um, there is a handout that if they email and I'll send it to you, Marcy, that I use, it was on a website called Grow, G-R-O-W-W. Okay. How you can really help me. And it answers some of those questions. And I give it to Brie people and say, give this to some of the people in your life and say, I don't have the energy to tell you, but here's a really good article that was written. And if you read that, that will help you help me. Yeah. And it's so heartfelt and good because it says things like, when you tell me I'm strong, it makes me feel blah, 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 and it explains all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I can't bring that person up or when I can't talk about it, uh, and I understand what this listener is saying is uh, we withdraw um, because the fear that if we put ourselves out there and they don't answer right, we don't want to dislike our family or our close friends. That's like someone telling me they just got off of um, Facebook during all of, you know, the politics and COVID because she said, I don't want to hate people that I like. (laughs) Right, right. Okay. It kind of reminded me of that. Like, I don't want you to disappoint me or hurt me. And so therefore, I don't tell you. But again, I do think that there is some level of truth to what she said at the very beginning about not being able to relate mm-hmm. that really the, where she's going to find the most support. I, I don't know if it's female, but the, um, he or she's going to find the most support is 
probably in someone outside of that close friend and family circle who's walked the road that gets it, that is sitting in a support group with her or in these conversations. Um, because um, they can, people who haven't had a child die can still be heartfelt, caring, compassionate people who are good listeners and we feel supported by. Um, because I've never had my spouse die. And I think that I've supported a lot of people through that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's different because this is my life's work, right? Um, but I don't want to rule them out completely that they can't support, but I do think there is something in that can't relate part is that they can't. The other well, part- We were talking about that just in our, so I'm doing a virtual support group mm -hmm. now through Starlight Ministries right. and, and it's on Tuesday nights. And if you still want to be a part of it, you absolutely could contact Stephanie. So you can go Stephanie at starlightmen.org and, and try to still be a part of the group. But it, it was great because we were talking about some of the, those very points just yesterday uh -huh. about how when our family members come up they just don't, they still don't get it. They still don't quite mm -hmm. understand that every aspect of my life is affected by this death. Every mm -hmm. single right. thing. I can't go to the grocery store. I can't go out to a restaurant. I can't, mm -hmm. I can't do anything mm -hmm. without the grief being there with me. And other family members that we have who say lost now instead of their son, lost their nephew. Okay, it's probably hard to do family gatherings. It's hard to do certain things. But there are a lot of parts of their life that Andy is would never come to their mind, right? right. If you're at work and you're not thinking mm -hmm. about your extended family. You're not thinking mm -hmm. about even your grandchildren. It's not like every single moment of the day. So uh -huh. I think that's a part of what is going on there with this question too, is that th those family members don't understand uh -huh. the depth of it and uh -huh. about how there isn't even a moment that uh -huh. you like forget about it. Or if you do have a quick moment where you forget about it, it lasts like three or four minutes. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, I didn't, I wasn't, I was smiling. I was laughing. What was I doing? And uh -huh. then you end up feeling guilt over that too, especially in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And something else is that we, you know, the work that we have to do as Brie people, one of them that doesn't take a whole lot is just to, to model how you want to be treated or how mm -hmm. you want to communicate. So when you have a thought, express it. And then just say, you know, I'm just putting it out there. This I'm just expressing it um, and or talking about your person, those kinds of things, or this is hard for me. And just stating it in that open communication, which is hard for some families because maybe they don't have that um, open communication. What was the last part of her question again? I want to make sure. It was, do you have suggestions of how I can share my grief with close family without mm -hmm. putting the burden on myself or causing extra pain? Yeah, yeah. So what, she, you know, that it doesn't have to be a long family powwow of here emotionally how I feel um, and laying it all out there. But I do think those moments of modeling in little spurts help with the theme overall that this is just... Um, well, one thing that I want to bring up too just comes back from our, my guest last week. So last week, 
I had um, Archie and Alina. So Alina was Garrett's sister, and she's been doing something that I think is 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 really good and that she's going off to college, a new college. She moved across the country. And so no one knows about Garrett. And so they ask questions like how many brothers and sisters do you have mm -hmm. or whatever asking about the family. And she will preface it with, I know this is not what you expected mm -hmm. and we don't have to go on and talk more about it. But my brother died last year. Right. In a car accident. Right. Yeah. So, even I think for her to mm -hmm. say something like that, I mm -hmm. know that you don't expect that this is hurting me, mm -hmm. but it still is. And I don't expect you to fix it. Mm -hmm. You can't, but I am going to say it. So, right. and I do think prefacing some of that with, I'm not expecting you to do anything different. Mm -hmm. I'm not expecting you to mm -hmm. be able to understand this, but understand me, understand right. the fact that every single thing does hurt with me mm -hmm. right now. Right. And, and I think it's nice if you give them permission to not fix it, mm -hmm. because if they feel like if you do have a moment where you kind of dump all of it there, they do get this. Oh my gosh, we better put mm -hmm. her on the prayer list at least, right. you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. So I had two other thoughts with that. And one is, you know, going back to that, the people who really are alone is what happens is, is then we do isolate ourselves and then we mm. are really hurting ourselves. So, you know, I just want to make sure that, you know, there are times that we do isolate from certain people because they aren't the people that we can trust or they're not our listeners are there for us. We just want to make sure we're not isolating from everyone, because that's where the problems come in. Um, but the other thing is that it, this, when you reread the question, reminds me of a poem that I oftentimes read at Christmas, but it talks about, you know, um, being left in a room alone with an elephant. And we all know that expression of the elephant in the room. It's like, if we can't talk about their life, then we can't talk about their death. If it's always something we're skirting around, um, and again, we don't need a big drawn out emotional family powwow, but if we can at least say their name, I mean, sometimes those just the value of support that someone else can speak their name mm -hmm. is really supportive to say, Hey, I was, you know, no thinking question. Of them or, I mean, yeah. that is, that, that is so incredibly huge when something oh, yeah. out of the blue happens like that. I, I just had that happen not too long ago that someone brought up Andy and it, it just was so beautiful. Uh -huh. It was uh -huh. so nice to have somebody share something about my son that they were missing. You know, I, I and we just had, I just had Andy's old best friend apparently just had a moment in school where he was just really sad. And, uh -huh. and, you know, he said, his mom wrote, you know, that, he just tries not to think about it. But if he really does think about it, he's just so sad. And right. of course, then they excuse him from class, go get yourself together, right. which I made me sad too, because I felt like, mm -hmm. oh, shoot. And now he just has to like, go out and walk in the hallway for five minutes and like, get your head around this and forget about it, you know, so we can uh -huh. get back to your day. It's yeah. just sad. It's just so it, sad. It, it is so hard because, you know, we don't want to 
make it seem like now he can't do that again because the response was one where he was, you know, removed from class or whatever happened. It's yeah. like really hard to know how to just let people be in what they're feeling and experiencing at that moment mm -hmm. without, you know, and what I tell people, like if I see someone having a tough time in the middle of something, um, just come back to us when you can. You're fine. Mm -hmm. just take all the time you need, but then come back to us when we can't. So then they can decide when they want to rejoin, you know, and rather than stopping the whole thing and waiting, you know, for someone right? to come back in and, you know. Well, and I, I love even the thing that they do at Starlight, which at Starlight, you had Lair Kleenex everywhere in the mm -hmm. Starlight support room, but you are not to ever hand someone yes. Kleenex. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're everywhere, so you can grab them yourself. But when you hand someone a Kleenex, it is sort of like saying, get yourself together. Put it together. Right. I use that you all the time. you your sad moment, but here you go. Mm -hmm. Take that Kleenex. Get rid of the tears. Let's get back. Yeah. I never hand anyone a Kleenex. And when they're with yeah. me, like I've said, it just, I mean, it flows. But that's that grief coming out. And when they're done, they will wrap it up and, and you know, blow their nose or do what they have to. And most of the time when they leave, they go, wow, you know, thanks for today. I really feel much better because there's room inside of them for something other than that ugliness, but we didn't stop it by trying to tidy it up or clean yeah. it up. And that's mm -hmm. what people do. That's exactly yeah. what people do. Yeah. You just like, you hand them the Kleenex and it feels like that's the right thing to do. It feels mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm understanding your pain. Yeah. Let's hand you a Kleenex. But it, it really does give you that image of mm -hmm. I accepted it and it was nice, but yeah, wrap it up now. Right. Exactly. Well, I say the same thing in working with teens, like that whole group hug or let's go over and hug them. Sometimes when people are hurting, that hug just kind of says that same thing. Like, Oh, you know, the hug, I'm not against hugs, but no, you have to let people have that emotion before we, you know, contain them in this, you know, pull it together kind of hug. Well, and I think hugs can be great too, but I, mm -hmm. when I got hugs from people, I didn't really know. I didn't yeah. like it at all. I didn't mm -hmm. like it at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I, I, it's not offensive. I mean, I don't want to be offensive to you that I don't want to hug you right now, but I don't want to hug you right now. Right. <laughs> like this, yeah. It I, just feels, it yeah. feels too personal and, and I can't let you in there at this right. moment. Exactly. And this is my, you know, I, I don't have a word for it, but you know, that grief space, this is my holy space. Right. And, right. and if I want to welcome you into that space, mm -hmm. okay. But if, if right. I'm not feeling like I want to welcome you in mm -hmm. that space, then mm -hmm. please acknowledge that too. Right. right. And, and, and that's, be okay with that. That's kind of what we talk about when training people is like, don't walk into someone else's house wearing dirty boots. When you go in with your own stuff, you know, and your own pain, and then you you've left your stuff there too. You know, mm -hmm. that's not good. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, people are probably afraid right now, like what, do, you know, where does support look like? It's really um, a beautiful thing and it's not that hard to do. I mean, if someone's listening as someone who like, oh, am I going to screw that up? Or um, I've done things bad. I, people know your motive and, you know, we've talked about this before when it's done in love or they don't 
you know, we know they don't know what they're doing. There is a lot of grace and forgiveness in that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but in that reaction, you know, if we go back to what I was saying about reacting, the feelings are usually negative. Um, there's, it's hard to have grace in that, but when it's, you know, you feel a little bit more positive, there's room for some forgiveness. Yeah. And grace yeah. In that. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's just so important to. Yeah. I yeah. guess I want to go back and explain that a little bit better. So in reaction, if someone walks away from you and turns their back, it's hard to forgive that. Like that yes. doesn't feel right. But if someone responded, even if they responded in a way that wasn't necessarily helpful, but they at least took the energy to respond and you knew that they were trying, there's yes. a whole lot more forgiveness and grace in that, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. It is better than when people say the wrong thing than when they say uh-huh. nothing. Right. Well, I they say nothing, it hurts. Better. And and it feels yeah. like you're being, you have been ignored mm-hmm. and that you think then that my pain doesn't matter to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you say that I'm doing a goal setting course right now. And, and I kind of like that kind of stuff, but it's between average and excellence. And then the frequency line is between inconsistent and consistent. And, you know, obviously we always want to be excellent and consistent, but that's not reality. Like we can't keep that momentum up all the time. So really where we really want to be is more in that practice zone of, you know, um, average, right? So, (laughs) you know, we don't have to, we're not expecting perfection in this, you know, it's just, yeah. But I would rather be inconsistently excellent than consistently, you know, terrible. So. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yes. That, that is exactly. Yeah. I forget what the comment was yesterday, but it was kind of along those lines. Um, Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, or, you know, consistently average is better than inconsistently excellent. Like, you know, but someone who's there for you, they might not, again, be like, um, super skilled, but they're consistently checking on you and sending you those text messages. And, you know, what those people who are really, that means a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do want to go back to talk about the different types of people that you have around you Mm -hmm. and that you need Mm -hmm. when you're grieving, because I feel like that happened to me so significantly that I had, you know, my friend, Michelle, who's been on the show and, and Mm -hmm. is, is a dear close friend. She was definitely a doer for me. And she, you know, when we needed a spokesman with the media, that was her. When it was a go-between with the police department, it was her. When it was lining up, just lining up meals for me, that was her. Getting my house mm-hmm. clean, all of that kind of doing stuff. Mm-hmm. She did great with that. She was mm-hmm. excellent with that. You know, and that was her skill and that's what I turned to her for. But that, she wasn't the person that I ended up turning to when I just needed to go on a walk and be sad, right? Mm-hmm. She, that, oh, she's listening. There she is. She just could do a little heart. <laughs> so, so anyway, she, that was her role for me, mm-hmm. but I didn't make her do everything, right? right? She did right. a lot of that. And there was somebody else that 
I would go on a walk with and just be sad. And then that could be their role for me, right? And there was yet another person I can think of that would do some errands for me and and grab me things when they were out at Costco or something Uh like that. So So I had different people for different jobs and what I needed from them. And, it, and you did discover who really was good at something okay. and who, and that, that's just what their, their blessing was. And, and then also to allow them to do that. So, you know, Michelle just sent me a little message, a little heart, because I, I mean, it was really her, it felt to me at the time, like I was burdening her in a tremendous way. Like Uh she had put her life and her whole family pretty much on hold to Uh try to support me and be with me. But I know now that she was honored to do that for me, Uh right? That that for her to be able to do that stuff felt like she didn't feel so, so lost because I let her do some of those things. And if you let people in in Mm -hmm. a specific role like that, it will only bless them. Right, right. Well, and that's the value of community, right? So I'm thinking of a woman at our church right now who needs help, and she needs a wheelchair ramp. And um, so people are, some people gave financially to it, right? That's their role. Some people are going to build it, but then some people are making the meals for her kids. And then other people are sitting in the hospital with her, helping her emotionally, that's a team. Yeah. That's a community. That's a team. Mm-hmm. But what I also, I, I wrote this down as you were talking, because one of the things that I find sometimes is sometimes we dump all of our stuff on, on one, one person. I know. I know. And then do. that makes them just go away when we need them the most. Like they just get overwhelmed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't want them to like dread when they see our number and, you know, so be careful. I mean, spread it out and look at that. Who can I ask to do these things for me kind of thing? Right. And, and it might feel weird, but I think it's good too to even be really honest and open and ask people what they might like to do. Because you mm-hmm. can say to them, I don't want to put everything on you. Right. I, I, what do you think you can do that, that is the best mm-hmm. for you and that helps you the most? And I know the response from the majority of people are going to say, whatever you need, whatever you need, right. I will be there, whatever right. you need. No. But I, we don't really, we don't want we them don't to say that. We no. do not want them to say no. whatever you need. I mean, it's just like I talked to different, um, different therapists, different therapists are different, are good at different types of things, right? Like, mm-hmm. so the therapist mm-hmm. that I saw is fantastic at seeing grieving moms and she okay. does pretty much all grieving moms and she's yes. unbelievable. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you've yeah. met mm-hmm. Nancy. Yes. She's fantastic. She's wonderful. But I don't send her, you know, this anxious teenager or somebody with obsessive compulsive disorder or all these types of things, because that's not what she's good at. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. sometimes I would meet a new therapist and I would say, what are you good at? What do you, right. what do you really like doing mm-hmm. and, and caring for? And then, and if you get the response back of, oh, I'll just do anything. It's mm-hmm. like, ah. But I know you're yeah. not good at everything. Right. You're not. Yeah. So what yeah. are you good at and what fills you? And so to talk to even those people that love us, what fills them up 
mm-hmm. when they are helping us because there right. are probably some things that fill them up and some things that feel draining. Mm-hmm. Like I recently have a friend of mine who lost her son and I told her straight away, I am not going to be the one making meals for you. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> if you need someone to talk to at mm-hmm. three o'clock in the morning, I'm your girl. Right. You, know, you call me. Uh-huh. And so mm-hmm. anyway, it's just like yeah. knowing what different people are doing. It is. And, you know, as you're saying that, I'm like, we're doing that in my family right now because we're care. My mom's caregiving 100% for my dad. Now, my brother's goal is he, or role is he helps with the finances, the ring doorbell, the Google, you know, he's the, TV remote control question guy, right? My sister Mm -hmm. does the hearing aids, the medicines, lines them all up, you know, makes her doctor's appointments. But I live far away. So it's like, what is my role? Well, I'm the emotional support. And my mom does not see because she has macular. And so I read the menus, the where they live sends them to me, we each have our role. So that's a team. But what I wanted to say is some days, I get burnt out from being the emotional support because it's every day. And I have to say to my siblings, tag your it today with that. Or um, my mom needed a big purchase. And my brother said to my sister, "Uh, I'm going to need you to do this one. You know, right. So, right. Again, you know, that tag teaming, it's a communication. And in that honesty, there's a whole lot of grace and forgiveness rather than letting that resentment build up and not being honest and talking about it. And I actually had an honest conversation with my mom too about the time of day that she likes me to call or that we were getting in the habit. There are different time zones. It was nine o'clock at night, my time. When your feet are up and you like feel like you've checked out for the day, I, I didn't have the energy. And I finally said to her, mom, I'm realizing that at night I'm dreading your calls and I don't dread them in the morning or the afternoon. So let's go back to that. And she's okay. like, oh, okay. Well, but good. I could have let that just build up. Well, and I like the team thing too. I feel like my friends certainly, I think they had a group text going without me yeah. in it mm-hmm. uh, just to kind of, so that they would all be sort of doing something. So yeah. that's nice. So I had somebody else write in, uh, too, just now, uh, Devin, Michael, I have a difficult time with people who send a text or message that says thinking with you, thinking of you or a little heart. But when you answer back within a minute, it's radio silent. That says to me, that person is not thinking of me. It's checking a box. So they feel good. If they were really, truly thinking of me when I responded, Mm -hmm. there would be a conversation. Yes, exactly. And I tell people when I'm training them, bereaved people can sniff that out like none other, just like your listener said, they already know, like, I know that you, this is just a box for you. We have to be sincere in our offer and not just make it be a blanket. Oh, every Mm -hmm. once in a while, I'm going to send you this heart. That's, that's nothing. That's like, If it's not followed up with what I need from you or something. So I get that. That is really hard. Um, So they stated it, but they weren't, I don't, I don't know that there's really a question. Actually, I think more of a comment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I get that because I tell people that's like being at the coat rack at church and someone seeing you and them going, Oh, how are you today? Good, good, good. I'm praying for you as they keep putting on their coat and keep walking. Mm -hmm. Uh I I hate it when people say, how are you doing? You look good. Mm. Yeah. They didn't even 
have a pause between the question mark and the telling you that you look good. Mm -hmm. Like, so what do you say to that? Mm -hmm. What do you say? They, they, are, they just expect it. If you say I, you look good at the end, it's because they don't really want to know how you're doing. They, they just want to like kind of pretend like they do, but uh -huh. then already give you the answer that you're looking good. So you must be good. And right. it's not really truly yeah. a conversation I want to have. Well, right and now. their, and their body language, if they're walking away from you, if they're still in momentum, all those things, because someone who really just said, how are you doing? And by the way, you look good as they're looking at you and pausing. That's a totally different kind of thing, right? And that's what's hard about this question or the comment about the text messages. When you drop a heart, you know, what does that really mean? Like, it, it's hard to interpret that. But then we know what it means, because it doesn't mean I want to have a conversation with you and that I really want to know how you're doing. I just wanted you to know that I cool enough that I send a well, heart. And it's such just a common thing that you say, how are you doing? And everyone is just supposed to say good. Mm -hmm. Even when they're really not good. I, right. That's what <laughs> all I the time. I, I, I just, it's, yeah. I, it's funny. Cause I'm, you know, I'm a pediatrician. And so today I did like the morning walk-in clinic and I go in and I see the patient and I walk in, I say, how are you doing? And they all say good. And mm -hmm. then I always say, well, no, you're not. Or you wouldn't be here. <laughs> right. Like you are in a sick walk-in clinic. You are sick. You're not good, but it just goes to show how it's embedded into these kids when they're seven, eight, nine years old to automatically yeah. just say good when clearly they're not. Right. You know? I mean, I right. had a woman that I knew she was really sad and going through a hard time. And I said, and I sincerely said, how are you? And she said, I'm good. And I, and at that moment I looked at her and I said, liar, how are you? Yeah. And then exactly. she opened up because then she knew I really wanted to know. Because mm -hmm. I wasn't just saying it because to be polite or because right. that's what you say when you greet someone. I really wanted to know. Yeah. That that brings so many things up for me. One is I had one woman who, and I, I've said this on the air before, but when she said I'm fine, she really had an acronym for fine of what it meant. So she knew I'm really telling you. And the first one with the F word um, was the F yeah. word. <laughs> and then she had irritated, you know, um, all these other things. Um so when I said I'm fine, she knew what she was really saying. But the other things I've had people say is I'm fine, um, but now do you really want to know? Yeah. And then that gives that, you know, it, I, I'll say I'm fine, but if you really right. want to know, stick around and I'll tell you. And I, I have seen a lot of people do that. Um, but what I do, because I mean, I live and move among bereaved people, and I'm not all their counselors. I some of them, they're my, you know, people I'm on a committee with in the athletic association, or they're here and there. But I want them to know that I sincerely care and want to know. So instead of just saying, how are you? I'll mm -hmm. say, what kind of day is it today? Or how is today for you? Because mm -hmm. if it's a good day, then I'll let it be a good day. Like that's, that's cool because, and my, oftentimes they'll say today, I'm not too bad, but boy, yesterday was their birthday and I had a really tough time. And then it opens mm -hmm. up conversation. So I try to be more specific than that blanket. How are you today? I, I just don't want to be someone flittering around with all of that. Well, I like how you mentioned that now because it almost ties back to that very first question we had with that family that mm -hmm. you could 
be very specific with them and say, you know, today is a really uh-huh. hard day. Tomorrow uh-huh. may be better. Oh, uh-huh. Laura just wrote in, fine also stands for feelings I'm not expressing. Oh, very like that. good. That is really good. That is like, really good. You. Feelings I'm not expressing. Oh, I love that. That is perfect. <laughs> I'm writing it down. I know. I think I'm um, going to use that. I have to, I do a little write-up for the podcast. I think that's going in the write-up, Laura, because so, that's great. But again, oh, she says she's heard the other one too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not using that one in the write-up. We don't, we don't go no. the write-up. But um, I love it because I, I'm giving you the truth, you know, right. without having to stuff my, like, I'm, I'm being honest, I put it out there, you just don't know it, right? Right. Um, And it's the same thing. Let's go. If you have someone who is a life sucker, who is in your family is in your, your circle, that you know, you can't count on them, but you have a relationship with them. And, and thank God, everyone's got their skill set. And they're good at something else. But they're just not good at emotional support or being a good friend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we don't have to wear a sign that say you suck at being a good friend. I, I We don't have right. to do that. But I also want to give you permission that you don't have to go overboard on calling them something they're not or overly complimenting or being in their space. And I've said this before, but, you know, I don't let life suckers suck the life out of me. If they're over here, I go over there. If, you know, we have one in our family, um, our extended family, if they come into the living room, I go into the kitchen. If they go into the kitchen, I just move. And, you know, they don't even notice because they're so busy sucking the life out of the room. They don't even notice. (laughs) Right. And it took five years till someone said to me, how come you are never stuck with her? And I said, because I made a decision five years ago, not not to put myself in that spot, but I didn't have to wear a shirt about it. I didn't have to walk into the family, argue, you know, the family thing and say, you, I'm staying yeah. away from you. I didn't have to yeah. do that, but yeah. I felt so much better. Cause I'd get in the car and be like, <laughs> didn't have to breathe there very much. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of what you have to do. And yeah, it does feel bad when it's someone that you, you know, thought, well, especially does- someone that you thought was really going to be there for you. Yeah. Yeah. If you put it in that context. Yeah. Well, that's why when I talk about to bury people um, in the, in the guided tour, we talk about relationship pain because that's a whole additional pain that you have on top of your grief is that when someone really does hurt you by not being there and sometimes people state it, like talk about a lack of support. I tell this story about a woman who um, was, um, neighbors, husband and wife, you know, and then this husband and wife, they went to dinner together, did things, they were always helping each other out. And um, the one woman's husband died, and she was in the front yard. And I forget what had happened. I think maybe one of the gutter fell off. And she was on the ladder trying to hold it. And she saw the the other neighbors pull in. And she heard the door shut and heard them walking over. And the whole time as she's holding up this gutter, she's thinking, oh, they're coming over to help me, right? You know, they see yeah. me in need. And that was her expectation. And instead of it being maybe the husband that she thought might come help her on the ladder, it was the wife. And she said, I just want you to know that my husband's not your handyman and don't be expecting him to help you. He won't be. <gasps> yeah, totally. She's like, I am there on that ladder going, 
are you serious? We have been friends and neighbors and helped each other through everything. And now you are threatened. But she was obviously threatened by her singleness or whatever it was. But that's a re relationship pain. She was completely cut out of that relationship. Oh my Those God. are legitimate things that people have to grieve, right? Yeah. But what, what that woman decided to do was then take that and I'll find other ways to get my needs met. You are not, yeah. uh, you know, to try to go back and say, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. That well, ends the one, end of that. Yeah. I, one somebody things, just wrote in a comment oh. too, um, that Renee wrote, I had a friend say, you seem better. And I said, I am doing better. And she said, yeah, because you were really pretty out of it for a while. <laughs> Thanks. Didn't know. <laughs> Thank you for that comment. I guess I was out of it for a while. I wa lost my daughter. My daughter died. Yeah, you were out of it for a while. I mean, what kind of comment is that? I know. But what are the responses? When I say, how else did they expect you to be doing? Like, I know. Like, my whole you would be doing great. Upside down. You, yeah. You would have handled yeah. it. I mean, I probably would say, well, that's one way to describe grief is out of it for a while. Yeah, <laughs> we are. We're numb. We're, uh, Wounded if you go mess. that way, I'm probably going to be out of it forever. Maybe right. I'm not as obviously out of it to you now, but. Well, at least maybe you're not oozing all over. I mean, that's really what they're saying is you're, right, you know. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. I'm sure. Um, so I had written down before we even started, like, finding support. Keep trying. I mean, for someone who's saying, you know, and don't keep going to the same well. If it's not there, it's not there. Find a different group. Find different people. Just keep searching in places um, where you can find support for yourself. And then sadly enough, we do have to teach. We do have to model. We do have to say this is what's helpful. Or when you said that, that really isn't helpful or, you know, mm -hmm. so that that teaching. But then lastly, what we haven't talked about is treasuring the support that we do have and thanking people. I tell yes. someone, if you are listening to this and you have some friends who got it right, tell them yes. you got it right. What would be really, I mean, even if we just drop their initials in the comments, like, or, you know, however, their first name, you mentioned Michelle and your other friend, you, they got yeah. it right. Yeah. They're yeah. Treasured. I had a lot of friends get it right. Yeah. That's a beautiful right. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So to treasure um, those. And I tell people, as you begin to heal, one of the things you can do that makes you feel good is take them out to lunch, buy them a, a, a single flower and drop it off and say, I just want you to know that you got it right or that you really helped me. And that makes us feel better as we begin to heal. Yeah. So the friend, oh, And, and I do like how you said, though, as we begin to heal, because I don't want it to seem like I'm taking you out to lunch. Now you have to support yeah, me in that same way. Now, now I'm done. You yeah. know, it's a it's a thank you for this ongoing support that you are giving me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go back to the last um, comment. Thank you for being there when I was. What was the word? I'm a mess right now. Where you were pretty. What was the word? Uh, you were out of it for a while. Out of it. Yeah, for being there when I was out of it doesn't mean I'm I'm totally out of it, but I'm not as you know overwhelmed. <laughs> but yeah. You're right. I mean, we are never fully healed, but in our healing, we can look in different perspectives, right? We can see things that we couldn't see before. We can see people who were there for us in a way. And maybe there's people listening today who started it thinking, I don't have a lot of support, but after hearing this, you realize that you really do. Yeah. That you have That's some. a little people. better than you think. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, thank you so much, Gwen. We mm -hmm. are really running out of time, so I better wrap it up. But that was wonderful. 
And I like being able to have this with you, kind of our normal podcast, but then yeah. just having people be able to kind of pipe in uh, next month. Well, actually, probably in November, so about a month and a half from now, mm -hmm. we're going to be doing one right yes. before Christmas and yeah. Thanksgiving. So I think that will be mm -hmm. good. Yep. Right. Okay. Thank thanks. you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy at andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage, andysmom.com, for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.